Alex, tell me a little bit more about why you like coding. It's elegant. You type in this seemingly garbled stuff, and then something so logical comes out from it. It's weird, actually, but working in a code language kind of calms me down. Really? That's interesting. I know, right? It's weird. Some people do yoga. I code. I prefer a hot bath and anti-anxiety meds. <laughs> totally. I, I don't take those, but I do have a stim. Oh, I used a stim for a while. It did nothing for me, sadly. Wait, your stim didn't help? I thought they helped everyone. It worked at first, really well. But then eventually it started to taper off. I needed it more and more. Oh. I didn't like feeling tied to it. So I stopped using it. Has that happened to you? Not really. I mean, when I'm super stressed, it doesn't work as well. But that's normal, right? You're lucky then. Okay, so you were saying a coding language calms you down. Yes. <laughs> How long have you known about this form of self-soothing? Is it something that came to you later, like college? No, actually, I got into coding pretty young. Like, 10, 11? No way! Me too. Really? But you don't hear about many girls being into it that young. You know, it's funny you mention that. It's one of my favorite memories. Realm presents Memory Lane Season 2, Episode 6. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The room starts to spin. I can feel everyone's eyes on me. Remy's, Cassie's, Judith's. I try to process what Cassie just said. That memory isn't yours. And then I burst out laughing. Of course the memory is mine. I was there. You didn't go to coding camp, ever. I don't know where that memory came from, but it isn't yours. But the memory in my stem is so clear, even now. I am sitting at a computer terminal at the camp, other kids quietly working around me. 
And then a counselor comes up and places her hand on my shoulder to look at my screen. Brilliant. I think you're gonna win. It's my memory. And might I remind you, you barely kept track of my extracurricular activities. Remember that entire year I played field hockey and you had no idea until that other mom in the grocery store asked if you were coming to championships? Right, of course. Let's blame the terrible mother. But what's another memory from coding camp? Anything else? Please, indulge me. Well, there's... I mean... I struggle to picture where we might have slept, or eaten, or friends I'd made, or, or anything. But I can't. There's nothing. I try to remember other things from when I was 11. And even in my muddled state, I envision my sixth grade teacher, the puke green bathroom tile in our apartment. Where is coding camp? I look down at my stim. My hands are shaking. What are you suggesting? That I invented the whole thing? I don't know, Alex. Remy, what could this be? Remy thinks for a moment, and then turns to Judith. And Judith, you don't know what Ned's core memory is either. Do you think it's a true memory? I mean, I hope so. But you don't know for sure. I'm sorry. Are we really thinking I've inadvertently been using someone else's stim this whole time? I mean, wouldn't I know? Maybe not. Maybe the memories made such an impression on your mind that you've come to believe it's real. It's possible whoever sold Alex the stim encoded it with some bad data that's wreaking havoc on her neurological pathways, making her lose memories. The thing we have to figure out is whether it was intentional and targeted for Alex, or a complete fluke. So I made a huge mistake in getting this? I thought they were safe. I slump against the wall. Remy squeezes my arm. You didn't know. Besides, STEM shouldn't be dangerous, even prototypes. They're safer than meds if used properly. I've met Vanessa Yardley, actually. Wait, you have? We attended some of the same medical conventions back in the day. She was only a student then, but everyone knew about her. She had an inventor's mind. She seems full of herself to me. She's a star, but she's also meticulous and smart. There are warnings on stims that you can't use someone else's. It's supposed to be your memory coded into the thing and your specific neurological pathways it acts on. It would be, uh... Like trying on a suit that was custom-made for someone else. It wouldn't fit you in all the right places. Hmm. The question now is what happens if you've already put on someone else's suit? You really didn't think about Ned's stim after his memories started to fade? Why would I? I thought he'd gotten it from a reliable source. I think the key would be to figure out who is the source. Maybe it's the same person. Alex, do you remember the survey you answered? Maybe you have a record of it. I used my school email. But I just looked through those, actually. My server automatically deletes emails that are a certain number of days old. Hmm. And you don't remember the name of the person who ran the survey? I shake my head. It hadn't mattered. The big draw for me was getting a STEM device. 
All my life, I hadn't been into drugs, drinking, any sort of chemical to dull my senses and escape my problems. But the idea of something naturally working with my brain chemistry and my own memories to help me feel better? Oh, I wanted that. I wanted it badly. Okay, uh, well, let, let's try another angle. It's likely whoever implanted the memory in Alex's stim actually experienced the memory him or herself. Maybe that's the same person who set up the survey. Maybe. I mean, the memory has to come from somewhere. I still say our first suspect should be the inventor of the stim, that Yardley lady. Though, why would she give away cheap stims? I try to nod, but I'm losing the thread of this conversation. I'm confused as to why he's holding my stim. I need my stim. It's the only thing that makes me feel better. And then I remember, my stim is bad. Maybe... I shut my eyes. I'm exhausted. And then, when I look around again, the room looks different. Everyone is in different spots. My stim is lying on the table. It's a hiccuping feeling in my brain. Remy's eyes flash with understanding. Alex, hey, you with us? I think so. I'm not sure I believe it, though. Remy pulls a chair toward me and sits in it backwards. Well, we were talking about your coding cat memory. Can you talk to me about it? How many times have you had to ask me about this in the last few minutes? This is the third time. You've, well, had some little lapses. But don't worry. We might be close to figuring this out. I nod, trying to focus. <sighs> Hating my deteriorating brain. Okay, what were you working on? What did you see out the window? Was there a calendar on the wall, perhaps, or a date in the computer screen? I concentrate hard. But nothing comes. I realize what I need and glance at Remy guiltily. If... If I had the stim, I would be able to see it much more clearly. I always do. Remy and Judith exchange an uneasy glance. I know what they're thinking. If my stim's the thing that's chipping away at my memories, any time I activate it, it might make things worse. But then Remy places the stim into my cupped palms. Be careful. I cradle my stim lovingly. I can't accept that this thing that I've come to rely on is the source of my problems. I also can't accept that the memory I've treasured isn't my memory at all. My fingers curl into the proper combination on the keypad. Just like magic. The right pathways are activated, and the memory streams in like sunlight. There I am, sitting at the computer desk, my fingers eagerly hovering over the keyboard. Only... is it me? Because I have the strangest sensation. It's the same feeling I got when I was experiencing Cassie's memories, too. It's like I'm watching the memory unfold as a spectator. If it isn't me sitting at the computer, I have a hunch it's a girl. She has slender hands, and wears a few rubber and string bracelets on her wrists. 
and a silver ring on her pointer finger. But I can't see her face. I'm in her perspective. She's coding a language on her computer. A computer that looks kind of outdated. The monitor is blocky. The mouse is actually connected by wires. I look around the rest of the room for more clues. A girl is wearing a t-shirt for a boy band that was popular a handful of years before my time. Is she wearing it ironically? Or had she just been to a concert? A boy is sipping from a can of soda. But the soda is a brand that was so unpopular, it's now a slang term for products that spectacularly bomb. How had I not seen these things all the other times I'd visited this memory? Or had I not wanted to see? There's a sign above our quadrant of desks that reads 1112 group. As I type, the instructor I remember sidles up behind me. She wears Birkenstocks and socks and smells like one of those pine-scented tree air fresheners for cars. I crane my neck up to look at her, and she smiles. I don't know her name. That's never seemed weird until now. She gives me a big, approving smile when she looks at the screen. Brilliant. I think you're gonna win. I try not to let the memory fade. I stare hard at her face. Her clothes. Anything for more of a clue. And then I see it. She's wearing a lanyard and an ID badge. Jessica Mulroney. And her badge, it doesn't say the camp's name, but there's a cartoon drawing of a grinning computer mouse. My eyes pop open. I look at Remy triumphantly. Jessica Mulroney. She was a camp counselor. It's on her badge. Remy starts typing all kinds of search combinations. Jessica Mulroney coding camp. Jessica Mulroney counselor. Jessica Mulroney computers. Is there anything else? There was a logo for the camp. Uh, a computer mouse. With a smile. Draw it. Remy slides a piece of paper toward me. I draw it the best I can, though I'm getting that woozy, slipping feeling again. When I'm finished, Remy scans the image into the computer and does a reverse search. I look out the window, watching as a bird flits from tree branch to tree branch. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, he looks up from the computer with triumph. Centerville STEM Camp, a two-week-long immersive experience in coding, game design, app building, and more. STEM Camp sounds cool, I think to myself. I'm not sure why we're talking about that. Where's Centerville? Looks like Indiana. Have you ever lived there, Alex? Then I remember again. My STEM memory. The coding camp was in Indiana. I've lived in California my whole life. The only other state I've ever visited is Oregon. My heart sinks. 
What about the inventor of the stem, hmm? That Vanessa woman, has she ever lived in Indiana? Well, there's no mention of that in her bio. Maybe she hid that detail, or traveled specifically for this camp? Actually, it says that she lived abroad when she was a child. Uh, the Middle East, then France. Uh, but that counselor only worked at the particular camp for one year. Jessica Mulroney's name is here in a list of uh, geniuses we remember. It was more than 20 years ago, though, so whoever's memory this is, she's in her mid-30s. How old is Vanessa? 42. I really don't think this is her memory. Is there a camp roster from that long ago? Well, there are some pictures. Wait! The counselor! She told me I was going to win a prize. Or, I mean, she told someone she was going to win something. Maybe they tracked that on the site. Some sort of coding award? Oh, that's a good idea. I move around to Remy's side of the desk. He's clicked on a tab called the Golden Coder Award. Is this it? I read the description. Each camp session awards one exceptional coder a prize. There's pictures of the winners all across the screen, starting with the most recent. I stare at their smiling faces. Most of them can't be more than 12 years old. And I feel a pang of regret. All this time, I thought I was one of these kids. Hmm. Let me scroll back. Squares of proud, hopeful faces whirl past. I wonder where they all are now. I hope their futures turned out nothing like mine. Finally, Remy arrives at the camp session dated more than 20 years ago. When he stares at the person's face in the photo, his skin goes ashen. Oh. It's a girl with long, curly, reddish hair and an impish smile. She wears a t-shirt with the camp's logo on it. And the same yellow rubber bracelet I saw on the wrist of the girl in my stem memory. I look closer. There's something about her face that's familiar. And then I read her name. Printed below the picture. My heart goes still. I know that name. Congratulations, Zarabeth Anders. You're listening to Memory Lane Season 2, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.
Memory Lane is written by Sarah Shepard, produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich, associate produced by Michael Coulter, and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Zeller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Elliot Schiff, Tiana Camacho, Julia Nippen, Mike Carnes, Lena Klingeman, Sherry Wishard, and Kaylin West. Directed by Amanda Rose Smith and Kaylin West. Produced by Kaylin West. Sound design and post-production by Tim Franklin. Editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Amanda Rose Smith with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Cover design by Kendall Thomas. Special thanks to Ellen Goodlett.